Hello and welcome to another episode of What is Rewilding Anyway? Today, I'm still within Yorkshire and I've come to interview Neil Hessentine at Hilltop Farm, a hill farm within the Yorkshire Dales, practicing more environmentally sustainable methods of farming. I'll hand over to you now, Neil, so if you just talk about your background and how you come into this scene. Okay, thanks. Um, so yeah, we're, we're at Hilltop Farm. Um, this is a place where my parents moved, or, or my father moved here in 1950, so it's sort of been in the family for uh, nearly 70 years now. Um, and a traditional hill farm, always farmed traditionally over the years. Uh, as you can see, we're in a bunk barn at the moment. This was um, where cattle once lived, and we converted this in late 80s into uh, accommodation for tourists. Uh, and at that time, we moved out of cattle, and we, my father just farmed sheep for probably 20 years or so. I came back to farm full time in 2000, well, 2001, it was foot and mouth was the reason I came back to farm full time. And then in 2003, um, we introduced uh, Belted Galloway cattle to the farm uh, under a sort of a cattle grazing scheme, an environmental grazing scheme, really to encourage cattle back onto limestone pastures um, and reduce sheep numbers on those, on those pastures because it was found that grazing more heavily with sheep um, was actually impacting on the biodiversity of those pastures. So we introduced cattle back onto them, reduced sheep numbers, and since then we've found that there's been an improvement in the biodiversity of, the, of those pastures and of the uplands generally. And we also found that those cattle were actually contributing to the bottom line. Um, and at the same time, a very conventional sheep enterprise that we had, which was taking up a lot of our time and taking up a lot of our investment and, and our costs, um, was only just breaking even. Break, breaking even. So we've actually taken the sheep down the same route as the as the cattle enterprise, which is extremely extensive, allow them to exhibit the natural behaviour, control when they are grazing certain areas of the farm, so we get as, as much a biodiversity sort of benefit as we possibly can. And uh, and so in short, over the last probably 10, 15 years, we've, we've moved in a much more environmental direction. And that's not just because we feel that um, that's good for nature and it's good for the environment generally, but we actually feel that that's benefited our business and we actually feel that farming in a more extensive way has, uh, has actually resulted in a more profitable way to farm as well. Mm. So it's interesting what you say about reducing the sheep stock there because when you look at the context of hill farming within the rewilding conversation, uh, a lot of the initial knee-jerk reactions in many people is that you know sheep farming bad for the uplands and you get obviously George Monbiot's popularised idea of taking off sheep and putting back the wild but how far do you think you can go with that in terms of the community level and all the rest of it I, I mean for me you've, you've probably hit the nail on the head in, in probably my biggest objection oh, an objection isn't really the right word but my biggest sort of concern about um, re, the rewilding as as has been sort of as a judge mom by a model type thing um, as a concept and as a as a way of improving biodiversity, I haven't got an issue with rewilding at all. Um, I just feel that we can we can use sort of domesticated grazing animals as the tool to manage it in a, for rewilding. And I think the absolute key to to doing to using domesticated animals is is getting the stocking rate right and getting the species right. So it's so it's. I think it's about a mixture of species, and I also think it's about stocking rate and getting that right and, and, and getting the timings of grazing right on certain areas of the farm as well. Um, the importance I feel of using domesticated animals is that 
you you are then actually still using the uplands, or we'll talk about uplands as that's where, what we concern ourselves with mainly. Um, you're then using the uplands for some form of food production, which I think is really important. I think mm. we've got to keep that keep that because there is a need for food in the world and um, if we can produce that food sustainably then there's still an argument to do that. But I also think that food production um, in the uplands gives people a reason to be there and that's mm. when you're starting impacting upon the social um, sustainability as well and you're starting to sort of retain communities within the dales and the, in the uplands and, and retaining those dales communities and I think because for me that's that's critically important that we that we retain those so it's, it's, it's really getting a balance of sort of sustainable agriculture and sustainable food production mm. um, you, we've got to be sustainable towards the environment but we've also got to be socially sustainable as well mm. So any, do you think there are any other uh, options for land use that may not necessarily be within food production in the uplands uh, that could create a natural benefit you could see having a place in the future? I, I'm completely open-minded to any kind of land use as long as as long as long it gives people a reason to be there, I think. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, again, it comes back to the, you know, what exactly is rewilding and, you know, what what you see as it, see of it. For me, it's just about improving biodiversity and not impacting on biodiversity by grazing it or using it in a way which is detrimental to the environment mm. um, if if you can use that land for wood production or you can use it for even nut production I know hazelnuts were extremely um, you know there's a lot of hazelnuts produced in the dales at one time there was tons and tons of taken out of hawes on a, on a train at one mm. time which it raises another issue as as well in terms of public transport but um you know there's all sorts of different land uses that we can mm. that we consider and we and we can look at and as long as as long as that's retaining communities then that's that's good for me and it's also uh, as long as it is retaining and supporting the environment at the same time mm. so i mean is it, I, I suppose the step you look at is doing little baby steps towards it so um, small natural acts first, so things like river, river restoration, any woodland restoration potentially, as long as it had some yeah, product yeah, on it basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, as I say, I'm, I'm prepared to look at anything. Mm. Um, and we are looking at all sorts of different options on the farm. You know, we've already mm. planted uh, some trees or, you know, areas of trees. Uh, we've looked at sort of, um, you know, the, there's even small areas which is that are being completely ungrazed. Uh, you know, sort of small ash woodland gills, which uh, and and I look at that, and it's it's been ungrazed now for about eight years, and I think we've seen massive improvements in biodiversity in it. I think mm. we've seen less erosion in it as a result of it not being grazed. So I think there's, I think you can use all sorts of different tactics and different management prescriptions in different areas of the farm to benefit mm. all sorts of all sorts of different things and that comes back to carbon sequestration and mm. clean water flood mitigation you know and, and and they're all the things that we should be looking at yeah yeah to take the upland farming forward and actually as we're uh, speaking here today um this has been in the press and on the radio quite a lot this morning that michael gove made his first uh, opening speech at the oxford real farming conference whereby he stated probably most clearly today that the subsidies um post-Brexit will go towards um, environmental goods rather than how much land you farm, which is quite a, a momentous um, point, you could say, within farming history. And I just wonder what your thoughts were on that. Uh, well, well, first of all, I'm absolutely gutted that I'm not at the Oxford Real Farming Conference. I, <laughs> I was meant to be there and couldn't, 
couldn't make it in there. He sends his apologies. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, from an environmental perspective, I guess that's that's sort of good news and bad news. Uh, it's good to hear Michael Gove saying those things, and in in recent times, he seems to have been on board with the environmental side of stuff uh, and taking subsidies in an environmental direction, which I, I believe is a good thing. Also, from an environmental perspective, you could say, well, that could be happening slightly sooner than six years' time is is what I understand he's talking about to twenty twenty four. Yeah. Um, and probably a lot of the environmentalists are saying that it could be doing more as well. But 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 no, it's good news generally. I, I would say, um, yeah yeah. From a farming perspective, I guess that's not. Some people would think that that's not good news. But I, I think to take agriculture forward, we've got to move in a much more environmental and a much more sustainable direction. Just just to make sure we're still here in ten, fifteen, twenty, mm. hundred years time. I wonder if there's any particularly notable examples you've seen and stuff like that. If you've seen other examples when farming or other land use types are being a bit more um, stand back or allowing nature to sort of flourish uh, a bit more openly. In what, sorry? Uh, if there's any examples of nature-led uh, farming or conservation initiatives you've seen um, that you think could be quite well replicated. Um, I mean, uh, the, probably the thing that I've seen, which he, he's also mentioned in his speech, which I think is is both relatively simple way to both measure and govern and um, make a massive difference, is is talked about uh, wildflower meadows or hay meadows, and I just think that there's a there's a results based approach um, trial or pilot project going on in the Yorkshire Dales at the moment, which has been run by the Yorkshire Dales National Park, and that's about encouraging more wildflower meadows and I just think if we if if throughout the country we started changing the cutting date of a lot of the grassland uh, so uh, uh, you know a lot now is cut in sort of May June time and that's all for sort of production reasons if we can have a 10 week period between the start of May and the middle of July uh, where no land is cut and it's not grazed then you're starting to get massive environmental and biodiversity benefits um, and I think that would be an extremely simple thing to implement across the across the country uh, and as I say relatively simple and, and would get really good results both biodiversity and wildlife and mammal wise mm. and, and plant wise mm. so so uh, so that's probably the one thing that I've seen um, that's going on here locally in the Dales which could be moved uh, nationally and mm. relatively simply mm. and so the key point in the podcast is essentially the definition of rewilding and we'll come to the final question in a minute um, but do you feel that actually the word rewilding is something that actually puts farmers and other people who may want to get into conservation off if they heard it? Is, do you think there's an image problem with that and such? I, I think the way that it's been presented, and um, I haven't really an issue with George Mumbaugh, but I think he presents things in an antagonistic way. <laughs> uh, and, and I think he almost goes out of his way to be like that. Um, and I think that presentation of rewilding hasn't helped. Mm. And I think it's it's got it's almost become a it's become a derogatory term in the farming world now, mm. and um, that's not helpful. No, no, at all. Um, I think certainly from sort of similar experience, it's been something that you want. To, there's so many practices that you want to do, such as restoring rural floodplain um, or restoring woodland. But because I think wolves and teeth are the first thing that come to mind yeah, yeah. Um, which I mean I'll be, I'll be sort of I think I'll be lucky to see wolves in Britain in my lifetime to be honest you, you um, think you'd be lucky so you uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it depends yeah I'm not the one who's got the sheep yeah 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 um, I mean, I mean yeah 
I mean, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I'm not sure that the introduction of wolves is necessarily, necessarily practical. It might be in some areas. Mm. What I think what I'm kind of saying is what I understand of rewilding, and maybe we'll come on to this in, to, in a minute, what I understand of it is it's about controlling, needing those sort of top-level predators to be able to control grazing animals to be able to to get the benefits of rewilding is kind of how, mm. I, how I understand it. And I just think that those grazing animals, you can provide those and manage those grazing animals and use domesticated animals to do that. I think people can be involved in that management. Mm. Um, as, as I said earlier, as long as the stocking densities are, are right to achieve the sort of rewilding kind of benefits that, you, that you're after. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I think that's just a learning process as we go along. Mm. Um, and I think it'll be a very different sort of model from the agricultural model we've got at the moment. But you could argue very strongly that the agricultural model we've got at the moment isn't working anyway. Mm. And we do need a shift. Mm. in some direction and and i would have no objection to moving in a sort of rewilding direction if that's what you want to call it but i just think that can be achieved by by great domesticated grazing animals and human management of those mm. uh well coming to that we've got the final question that all interviewees have to at least try their best to uh, figure out an answer to and that is what is rewilding anyway <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, it is a question and, and uh all the sort of groups that I'm kind of half involved with, it's always the question is, what's it, what is the definition of rewilding? For me, it's just, for me, it is just allowing natural process to take, take their course. But for me, it's about managing that using grazing animals, I think, uh, but using them in a, a sound, responsible and a sustainable way um, to achieve the, what I suppose are the rewilding goals. Mm. Well, Neil, thank you very much. Thank, thank you me. very much. Cheers, Ben. Cheers.